and welcome to Alzheimer's Speaks Radio. I'm your host, Lori LeBay, and I'm so excited that you're joining us today. We are going to have a fascinating conversation, as usual, as we learn from people all around the world at all ages and stages of life. Stay tuned as we shift our dementia care from crisis to comfort. everyone and welcome to Alzheimer's Speaks. I'm thrilled you're going to join us today. We are going to be talking about how to age better, how to age well today. And we have a wonderful guest, Christine Smith, who is just full of energy and passion on this topic. But before I go there, I just want to do a little bit of housekeeping. First of all, for any of you that are new, Alzheimer's Speaks is about sound information, not just sound bites. We like to have real conversations with real people in the trenches that are actually doing something about the needs of our communities. And so again, today will be a great conversation, but I'm sure that you will find plenty of other episodes you'll find of interest as well. So please like, click, or share. Uh, We really appreciate that. More people need this information. There are so many different shows, services, products, and tools that are available, and we need people to know where to be able to find them. I'd also encourage you to go to our website, alzheimerspeaks.com. We have a ton of free resources there, so don't forget about checking that out. And from there, you'll be able to go to Dementia Map, which is our global resource directory as well. So let's not wait. Let's go ahead and pull Christine in. So Christine, I'm so excited to have you join us today. You are just this bubble of passion and joy, and it's always fun to to talk with you. So why don't you introduce yourself to our audience? You're going to be able to do a much better job than I am. Wonderful. I feel like I should be introducing you because usually I'm on the other side. So Um, I would have to say I'm Christine A. Smith, and I was frightened just a few days before coming on here because I was going to switch roles. And I know perfectly well that at 63, this is good for me. This is great to have the opportunity to not be the person who's drawing out the stories and the reasons why and um, what's going to go better because of something that you've innovated. So I call myself the aging enthusiast because it does cause people to stop and ask or think that can't be right. <laughs> but I, I spent a lot of time for several years with people who were 40 or 50 years better than I, <laughs> better at living. I, I just, I just soaked it in. I had such a wonderful experience because I was hired to come into their private homes and be there as an assistant in whatever capacity was needed. Usually it was physical, like somebody cared so much about this person, they wanted them to be safe and 
have good nutrition and have um, a friendly conversation before they would come back to them. So at one point, I went into homes where the person I spent the most time with in each of those homes, there were three of them where my best friend was 96 years old. And I thought, this is the most rich experience. If only other people could have this experience before they were the ones who were either concerned because of diagnoses or changes in behavior or um, not wanting their loved one to experience uh, more pain or uh, be unsafe, or before they themselves were going, well, here I am awake again, another day, and I am 96 years old. Who would have thought? I didn't want those experiences that I had to completely melt away after my time with them was done. So I started writing little notes that I stuffed into um, a quilted purple bag that I still have right here under the desk. Um, Just little notes of what I learned from my 96 years year olds, my 74 year olds, I think that's about as young as I went. And of course, several over 100 and everything in between. So I started sticking away these notes, not really knowing what I was going to do with it and started formulating some ideas to cause probably I would call my generation. I was in my fifties. I'm 63. Now I was in my fifties. And if I was going to call my demographic or my decade something, I would call them the reluctant generation because they were reluctant to even talk about the aging stuff. Oh, it just unpleasant conversation. Let's not let's not go into that because it's just trouble and it's sad and it's expensive and I don't want it to, you know. And I had an opposite reaction because I was seeing people who I guess had had done all the roller skating ahead of time through the 70s and the 80s. And they were at this point. And just the most wonderful things were important. And we hear that a lot about people who are at a particular age, that they're just going, you know, I'm just glad. And I'll tell you one little thing about me. I did serve in some communities that had hallways, but everyone lived independently here and there in the hallway. And sometimes being a caregiver or, you know, hired assistant, I usually called myself an assistant when I was freelancing, I would maybe sleep on a cot nearby through the night. in one of these private apartments in the morning, I would see people coming out of their apartments and there was just this joy. They were just so glad to see their neighbors. They were on their way to breakfast. They were headed out with uh, a friend or a loved one. They were just so glad to see each other. And at this moment, I live in an apartment building with interior hallways and I'm glad to see my neighbors. And I'm like, 
I know what that's like. I know if they've had some difficulties, you know, on a, on a less personal level. Um, I know if they just came back from somewhere and they just said, Hey, you know, if the packages are piling up, can you pull them in? And I just enjoy seeing them. I thought, Hey, I've kind of come around to that, that, um, kind of an imitation of that future moment when you're just glad that you woke up and you're really glad that the people who are your peers, um, that they woke up too, and that you have another day together, maybe not so rush, rush. So in short, I was a classroom teacher. I am a mom starting with littles. Um, my our three children are ours by adoption. So they were very tiny. That's usually one of the first questions. How old were they when you got to start momming? I was talked into becoming a hired caregiver. And at a certain point, I needed to take care of my own family. And all those pieces of paper were still in my little purple quilted bag. And my husband said, so you want to do a seminar in a senior center, and that's fine. But what you have discovered, what you don't want to disappear and die away with the end of your hired caregiving experiences, it could go a lot farther. If you would just try anything, technological, social meeting, just a little bit, <laughs> you know, um, and I, I didn't, I was texting on my phone because I had teenage and adult kids and I was using the computer because emails are a helpful way to get a big chunk of information. I didn't want any of the rest of that. What I didn't realize is that I could have an interaction with someone who needs to be able, um, recently there was an interaction with a person who has innovated something that people really need who are impacted by challenges that are age-related. It isn't always about getting old, but definitely age-related impacts that are, um, life-changing and, and life-reducing. And we talked for two hours. I should say, for once, I listened for about 90 minutes. This person just needed to pour out their story, how they felt, their path to this point, uh, what they've been through financially to get their product into a stream where people are going, I need that. I want that. Why didn't you invent it years ago? And I, I, I was like, this is what I am to do. I am to be there for people who say, I have this, but I don't know how to get it over here. I have an invention. I have a source of support for people who are smacked around by um, caregiving responsibilities. I have a book that touches people's hearts and makes life better. And it's age-related. 
what can I do? And I get to tell them, hey, there's so-and-so over here. You should be connected with them. Why don't you come on to my show and just talk about it and, and talk them into doing what I was so reluctant to do. And that was to get on to social media, et cetera. So in short, I'm a talkative person and I think what I'm doing is important. The end. Okay, great. Thank you. <laughs> Well, I have a lot of questions for you, but the first one I always ask all my guests is, have you been personally touched by dementia in your own family or circle of friends? Yes. I, even at 63, I have not experienced a friend being diagnosed with dementia, but other conditions that impact the ability to negotiate life on the terms that they used to all those other years before. Within the family, I was much younger as a grandchild, even as an adult grandchild. And I was very much less experienced when several grandparents on my side and those on my husband's side, all of the situations seemed to touch one or the other. Uh, delusional, um, knowing who you are, but wondering why you didn't bring something that you've never owned, that has not ever been in the reality of our relationships. Why didn't you bring that? Where's the limousine? Um, I'm, I want to go for that limousine ride. Um, and the one where we as the grandkids received the phone call from a neighbor or friend who said, your loved one is in my bed right now. They are frightened. They are saying things that don't make sense. And I was too inexperienced to recognize it at that age that there was the beginnings of those hallucinations or the, the alternate reality that is frightening, that is frightening for us because maybe they think they have um, abilities or they have safety that they physically do not. Um, So I would say three grandparents for sure, where we were on the scene and watching things unfold. And all I can say is, it was scary and I wanted to get away from it and I wanted it to stop. Which is pretty much everyone's feeling, you know, you're in that denial and you don't like seeing those changes and that discomfort. Let's talk about the families and individuals that you served when you were assisting them. What were some of the common threads that you heard from both the the person you're caring for and their loved ones who, who may have hired you? Oftentimes the loved ones were younger, but not all the time. I would hear from home to home, one of two things. I don't know what I'm going to do if I need this in the future. I I don't have a plan and I'm not sure that anyone around me would want to see about my business and would invest themselves into knowing 
this is this is the best for them or now things have changed again uh let's try something new so just that that lost that um i'm on the edge i'm coming towards the edge of a cliff sound in the voice um i i i wished i did have a plan mostly i've just been making sure that the person i love is okay i would hear the other and it's you know not a cliff i mean it's like a meadow with flowers and it's we have already talked about this i have contacted not just gotten my financial affairs in order but i've been really open with people who express care about me right now when i am not needing someone else to make really good decisions with me or for me and we've come up with this plan and um they are willing to do this and they don't like everything that i'm saying about how i think things should be but they are agreeing that that is my choice and you know and it's just like sunshine and skipping through the meadow as a as opposed to someone who's digging in their heels hoping that they don't get closer and closer to that cliff anytime soon but not knowing how do i even start these conversations because nobody wants to talk about when you are older and cannot are not um willing to are not able to see the reality of your own condition and i i'm like the difference here is not that th- that these people think uh that the meadow people are thinking well it'll never happen to me they've they are um relieved because they've made a plan they've started to talk about it it didn't hurt they're still all in good shape um it it was uncomfortable it there was you know like filling out a um a, a directive oh goodness um if you were going into surgery and you have to fill out one of those things that's an uncomfortable moment but once it's done it's done and i just thought if i could just help people to get to that point early and go okay that wasn't too painful i did talk about the things that our culture says you know just keep you know taking those supplements and you will never suffer from any of the challenges of aging not true because even if you are healthy and you're keeping your mental faculties and you're able to motivate yourself to places that you desire that that give you an uplift there's going to be someone near you that's in your peer group that is going through struggles and your care for them is going to usurp any of that oh i don't want to see anybody going through anything i'm just in this alone because alone just really isn't going to work and the reason why is that somebody else is going to look in on your life situation and go that person needs help and i am going to help them and they're going to do it on their terms 
if there was a third group, that was the one that I saw was someone else stepping in going, Mm-mm, we're, we're not going to have this, this level of um, physical disarray um, of not having anything but um, food in the fridge that has turned moldy where that's not going to happen to you anymore. So that person in those situations, um, the person that I'm serving um, didn't have um, their say ahead of time, how, you know, when they want someone to step in, how they want to reach out to someone. So I got to see that. As far as the people that I actually served, and some of them truly just hired me. I heard by word of mouth, and I want you to assist in this way. And some of those people already did what I would want to encourage others to do. They already would say to me, literally, Christine, if you see something, hear something, sense anything that seems awry, I want you to tell me, and I, my, I intend to react that I trust you. I think that you are accurate, that you're saying it for my own benefit. If my reaction is, who are you and why are you talking to me? Then you have my permission to contact someone else. And I'm like, wow, that's so mature. Of course, they were mature in age, but that is such a mindset that must have started while their own parents and maybe grandparents were um, starting into changes that were concerning to someone else. And yes, I did serve people. They didn't say, who are you? Why are you here? They said, there's no reason for you to be here. I do not agree with the people who hired me. Um, there's, I, I don't want you here. And it was my opportunity to be diplomatic and negotiate and tell the truth that I'm here so that they will give you a break on the um, interrogations of, did you take, have you done, you know, is that bruise from another fall that you're not telling us about those things? You know, I'm here to be the buffer. And in most situations that worked and I ended up with another friend. Hi, everyone. If you've been injured in an accident that was not your fault, listen up. We have legal professionals standing by to answer your questions for free. Call now and find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Call 800-494-8310. I'm here with spokesman John Wolfe. So, John, tell everyone listening who should call right now. Well, Maria, first off, thank you for having me here. It's always nice to answer the listeners' questions. Now, as far as who should call in, anyone who's been injured in an accident and think you deserve compensation, give us a call right now. 800-494-8310. You'll find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Thanks, John. You heard it, folks. Take advantage of this opportunity and call now. 800-494-8310. Advertisement sponsored by Legal Help Center may not be available in all states.
Well, and I think a lot of times being that third party, that outside party, it's easier to talk to you than it is directly when you have all the family dynamics that exist and, and the emotions of, if you're talking about the planning for the end, everyone always assumes that's right around the corner, but I always talk about it as just being smart living. And we all want control over our life, but then we kind of like let it go towards the end because we're, we're afraid of the end. And it's like, well, we weren't afraid of coming into the world. We shouldn't be afraid of exiting it either, you know, is, is my philosophy. But I grew up in a household where my mom, you know, she used to get scolded for taking us to funerals and wakes as children because others would say they're too young. You know, they don't need to know about this. And, and my mom would always say, I, I want them in the beginning and I want them in the end. They need to live life fully and, and know everyone is going to die at some point. I mean, that is just part of life. And some will have a real peaceful journey. Others won't, you know, that's just kind of the ups and downs of life, but they need to be here to support not only those that are ill and going to pass, but the, the family and friends around them as well. And so she just always ingrained that, that in us. So I, I appreciate what you're saying and the kind of the different categories of, of thought process that people go right. through. Um, one of the things I wanted to ask you, you know, you, you talked about this a little bit in the beginning on kind of how you morph from kind of being a private care um, assistant um, for people and doing those one-on-ones to really becoming you know, a public figure now on LinkedIn and, you know, really trying to raise the profile and, and personality and products of what can support us in aging. Was there like one turning point for you other than your husband going, please, please, please just try some technology. (laughs) The first time that I put myself on a camera had nothing to do. I don't know if this is a recommendation. It's just what happened. Had nothing to do with um, aging, longevity, care, economy, um, caregiving. It was a group of people that I I stuck them in a spot, um, possibly possibly a pedestal, but more that they were all business people. What business do I have coming onto the screen with them? And I was told when you enter into this, we'll just call it a mastermind. Mm-hmm. Um, you need to tell about your business. <laughs> like I'm out. <laughs> okay. I, there's so many reasons why I'm not going to show up. So one of the things that you sent before this recording is that um, just talk, which I agree with. In fact, I've recorded people for a radio station, just asking them things, but I, I kept coaching them on just, just tell me, just tell me why, or just tell me how did that make you feel, or, you know, and, and don't worry about making your speech that is going to convince people that you have something for real. You need that elevator Uh, speech. That's what we're told all the time, you know, concise it down into, you know, one or two short sentences. And, and it's hard when, when your umbrella is large 
And, and again, I, I, there's nothing wrong with elevator speeches. I know people do it all the time, but part of, I think what you and I do is we aren't about sound bites. We're about sound information and that takes longer. Exactly. That's the 90 minutes earlier this week with a person who just needed, just needed to talk about the journey and, and, and the times when they were discouraged and the times when it was like, okay, this has all been worth it just because of that person's reaction to now I feel better because of your product. Mm-hmm. Um, so you asked, what I did was I came shaking onto the camera with my piece of paper and read what I was about, you know, which makes an audience not feel comfortable too. So after that experience, there was another experience. Um, I'm guessing if there's anyone who's familiar with all's authors, it would be Lori LeBay. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay, yeah. good. Oh, good. Wonderful so group. I, I, I discovered them, you know, I found them because of a LinkedIn post. Of course, I didn't have any algorithm because I was coming from nowhere, but I must've put Alzheimer's somewhere and up they popped. And I said to my husband, you are an Amazon influencer. Therefore you get to do shows that are within Amazon parameters. Could we do something for all's authors? Because I read a challenge that said what, or I heard a challenge from a gal who puts out, you know, little, little um, life enhancement moments. Mm -hmm. She said, what is your business giving? You can say, oh, we donate to this and whatever, but what, if your business could donate, what would your you know, if it could stand up and speak for itself, what would it do? And I thought, well, that's a curious thing. And I thought, oh, well, right now we both have the ability to be on a camera. What if I use my fingers to talk really nicely to these people who volunteer to vet books that have been written on the subject in some way about Alzheimer's, but they're not textbooks. They are, you know, more memoirs and more, this is, this is how I handled things. And I thought it was rather clever. So I'm sharing it with you because it, it worked sometimes, you know? So I remember saying, who would you like to be on there? We can have up to this many people. And they had to zoom with me to go, what are, what's your underlying, what's the agenda here? (laughs) You know, it's like, it's Giving Tuesday coming up and I would like to give you time to say what you are about and where we can do it for up to two hours and we can, you know, have you advertise anything that is also for sale on Amazon, you know, so gave them these parameters. They're like, okay, she seems trustworthy, which I'm used to gaining the trust of people as I come into homes anyway, or elsewhere. So that was my chance to see someone on the screen and we were live and someone on the screen kind of did the, okay. Um, 
I just, and I said, ah, it's just us. Just go ahead and tell us. And I saw the relaxation and this is my book. This is why I wrote it. And one of my favorite parts in here and one of my clients, grandkids, spouses, um, you know, people that I meet with that are looking for help. One of my favorite parts is this and read it. And I was like, that was totally worth it to get that person to the point that I had to come to. So then we went through a bunch of recordings that um, we have tucked away um, where I talked about these aspects of aging. So this is just me privately talking about it, like going through my notes, going through my notes, and then going, okay, this is what I'm about. And I kind of, you know, talk like a teacher. And so, you know, but I was bringing in these little stories and everything about general common aspects of aging, not cancer, but multiple diagnoses that just seem to be hitting you like waves. Um, not um, a uh, colostomy bag, but something I called the great incontinental divide. It's just everything about the healthiness and the unhealthiness of getting rid of the stuff that was not an issue when you were younger, but now it's toilet talk, you know? So just these general things. And I talked about them and I gave examples and I asked basically people, I asked them, you know, this might be something that you feel like is not an issue with you because you had a loved one who got hit with a lot of that, whatever the aspect is, and you walked with them through it. And maybe the aspect is uh, multiple funerals and deaths and how after a while, it just feels like you don't even want to, you don't even want to hear that somebody is suffering because you're afraid they're going to die too, you know, that sort of a thing. But, you know, no, I've walked through that. So I don't think it's really going to be an issue with me. I think I've got good, um, a, a good plan for myself. Um, or you just think that is the worst. It's like, if there's one thing I can't handle, it's multiple deaths and going <clears throat> to bedsides and being, you know, brought in for the last moments and, you know, coming up with memorial speeches. Like, I just want to run away from all that. I don't want to smell the inside of a hospital ever again, you know, the worst case or not worst, but a worst case scenario. And then for someone else, who I call it a better case scenario, <clears throat> you might be hearing or experiencing something and you think, you know what? I see myself thriving in that. I see myself helping other people through it. I feel like I've got a whole team of people around me. I've got a support system that isn't going to look at me and go, oh, we're really uncomfortable with your discomfort with that. But it's like, nope, we're there for you. You can come, you can vent. We're not going to judge you. We're here for you. You know, I've got a therapist. I've got a Stephen minister. I've got <clears throat> a barista who will all listen to me no matter what. I actually think that if that comes my way, I'll be like, 
I'm going to, it's not going to be my favorite thing in the world, but I am going to thrive in that. I'm probably going to start a nonprofit. I'm, you know, that sort of a thing. Well, approaching people that way caused them to go, I've never thought of that, that I should approach the challenges of aging with, you know, who's going to be my team? What am I going to have documented so that things will happen on my terms when I'm reluctant or unable or I'm, I'm just emotionally gripped and I can't really think right then? You know, what have I done legally? What have I, what have I written down so that my grandkids can go, ah, or grandkids, my, my legacy, people who look at and listen to things that I've recorded, that they'll go, that's what she is about. Yes, this is happening now, but that's really who she is. And, and just the relief going, my goodness, I have prepared. So I really, I, I call myself the aging enthusiast because I'm enthusiastic about pre-planning and preparing and giving, um, practicing, practicing what it would be like to hit that challenge. So back to the great incontinental divide, I practiced by going into a store, putting a package of undergarments under each arm. And I literally stood in line and looking at people and say, I said, um, oh, you've got, you've got, you know, it looks like, you know, you've got a a crying baby or whatever. You can go ahead of me. And I thought everyone who looks at me is going to think, oh my goodness, she needs two of these packages. What's going on with her? And I got myself to get over the embarrassment of purchasing or being seen as the person who has lost control or has a special need or something like that. And I thought, here I am again. I always, I always touch all over myself. Like, do I, do I still have all my parts? Am I, am I okay? Am I okay? You know? And it's like, if I practice ahead of time, if I've actually documented, written some things down, if I've communicated, used my words, said the things, answered questions. Oh my goodness. What are they going to ask me that I'm not going to be sure about the answer? I'm not in the crisis yet, or my loved one isn't in a crisis right this moment. So I, here I am practicing and boy, I have to say my kids are used to it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they're used to me talking ahead and they're coming up with ideas of what they want to ask me about now. So that's probably much more than you asked me. <laughs> well, I can't believe how fast time is flying. We've only got about 15 minutes left and I've got several questions um, left yeah. to ask you. I want to talk about, you, you mentioned about your live streaming and, um, but what's the, con- you know, convergence project that you're working on? Again, Scott says, you love going to conferences. You should have one. And you should have it in 2024. Well, I'm about pre-planning and preparing and practicing. So I am doing the right thing this fall, October 6, 7, 8, and 9. 
So the evening of the 6th and the morning of the 9th, and then the two days, Saturday and Sunday in between. And I've just reached out to these people who have been on my live stream, um, most of them local, so that they don't have to travel far, so it won't be a big problem for them. But it turns out people who are not local would like to come too. I've asked those people, would you speak either in front of a large group or be the curator of a collaboration in a small group setting here in Independence, Oregon? I will try to set this up as best I can. I welcome um, ideas. In fact, one person who started the first Jero conference, Gerontology Aging Conference at Oregon State University. Her first question on LinkedIn was, do you need a team? And I'm hoping that that will convert into a lot of advice, but I've asked them to talk about it. And I have this whole rotation going on of large groups rotating through speakers and then the smaller, more casual conversations happening and they're on topic. They know what it's going to be about. They know whether it's going to be um, the president of the Oregon Pain Science Alliance. And someone might say, oh, I am there because uh, the suffering is to a point where I need to hear some alternatives. And I don't know what they're going to say, but I'm, I'm desperate. I'm open to it. And then someone else, it's going to be Alzheimer's and someone else, it's going to be making your home ADA ready, you know, um, it just, I'm excited and be, well, I'm excited. Of course I am, but the people that I've been talking with are saying, so you don't have like what we're supposed to say. I'm like, just tell them, tell them what you have so that they know you exist. So they know options exist. Tell them why you start to do it so that they have a feeling of this was important to you. Like it is important to me, you know, just be yourself. And I'm doing it really small bunches, just, you know, 20 to 25 minutes and give that same presentation another time and a third time. And then you're done. And then you, as a speaker, you get to go to the other sessions, the other days, you get to go to the afternoon casual casual collabs and the curated collaborations and all these little quaint spots around our historic downtown. I, I, what's going to happen is that people are going to say, Ooh, next year, would you, could you, wouldn't it be great if, you know, make sure that you, and I just get to write and write and write and have this proof of concept that people really do want to come together and know about the challenges and hear the options, hear the solutions, know that there's support. Okay, wonderful. Now you are also thinking about publishing a book. Is that correct? 
I've published two, and that means they are on Kindle. One is called The Act of Aging, and it is on my website, Aging Better Network, agingbetternetwork.com. And both of those, you can see where to go to get to them. So the one is The Act of Aging. Kind of sounds like the art of aging. And I'm just telling people to take action upon it, to prepare through what you write, what you say, and what you practice for your own future instead of avoiding it and saying, well, deal with it when things get bad. Um, The other one is Care Griever Kit, Care Griever Kit. And it is a big suggestion of literally putting together that you know, box, bag, container of some sort of physical objects that you go to in especially anticipatory grief. Mm -hmm. You know that someone is on hospice. You know that you are going to grieve again sometime, or maybe you don't know it, but people have told you anniversaries and holidays and, and smells and Um, a car going by is just going to send you into a time gone by and a person who has left. And so here is your kit. You have something you literally put your hands on and go, this is the self-care that I need to do because it's not selfish because Christopher Smith said in his newsletter that you cannot pour from an empty cup. And you want to pour out on others. You want to pour yourself into projects or things that are important, but my cup is empty. So I'm going to go into here and get out those items that I know speak my language. And it might even just be a gift card for yourself to go somewhere and do something. And it might be a a photograph that you get to just reminisce over. It could be a lot of objects and that's Caregriver Kit. The one that I haven't released, but a few people have the manuscript, just a big old workbook. It's 52 general and very typical aspects of aging that come towards you as the birthdays are coming towards you. And what to do about that, the better case scenario, the worst case scenario, the, oh, I think this is a non-issue, um, communicating with others, making sure something is recorded, written on a screen, on a flash drive, some device that you've recorded about how strongly you feel if this is something that I'm going to be experiencing in the future. And of course, the practicing. And I'm, I've been advised to squish that down into something that's bite-sized pieces. And I've also been encouraged to create it into a curriculum so that high schools can offer languages, um, the arts, um, extracurricular activities, and gerontology. Everything from caregiving to longevity to... Um, why, why we think that people who have lived a long time are wise. And so I've got a lot of different directions to go with that. But Russ Johns said in an interview with Liz Lawless, he says, your word for 2023 is 
publish. So two are published. They're ready. You can look at them anytime. The Care Griever Kit, or not even the, just Care Griever Kit. It's self-care. It also has a dementia aspect written into it because that is another kind of grieving, another kind of loss, another kind of this one's really hitting hard today. Wonderful. Um, well, gosh, this has been a, a great conversation. What would, what in closing would you like to say? I'm sure we've missed something. Um, you're doing so many different, different aspects. What else would you like to talk about uh, quickly before we close the show? I have talked people into doing exactly what you talked me into doing. I've talked people into sharing about something that, that often goes a little deeper than just, I have a product, you know, I saw a need, I mapped a gap and I built a bridge. I've asked them to come in and they tell me at the end, when we're done, it's not being recorded anymore. And everybody's like, phew, and relaxed and laughing and talking over each other. And they're just like, I didn't know that I was going to say that. And they don't regret it. So if I was going to say something to someone, if you feel like I'm going to approach so-and-so and and I'm probably going to regret it, maybe it's not going to turn out well when you say, hey, person who's aging before me, hey, person who's aging behind me, hey, person that I'm in the same demographic. This is really important to me to talk about something that you're going to be uncomfortable with, but I'm just asking you for your patience and your love. And if you can't understand it and you don't agree with it, I'm just going to ask you to take a mature step forward to kind of, kind of um, let me know that I'm, I'm not making a mistake by entrusting just some information with you. Just, you know, talk them into it. I mean, if they walk away from you, then maybe they're not the one to talk to. But if you let them know this, it's that important to me. They are probably going to stop and give you your full focus. And I'm so grateful to all the people who have stopped and given their full focus on um, Aging Better Network And thank you very much, Lori. Thanks for talking me into being on the other side. I'm glad you were with us, you know, in wrapping up um, again, Christine, thank you so much for what you're doing and kind of conquering your fears in terms of trying something different and, and being open. Uh, You know, I'm one where I personally have taken two words and kicked them to the curb. One is failure because I think it's just a lesson learned to do something in a better fashion. And the other one is perfection. I don't think it exists. I think it's something that society has put out there that we are supposed to, you know, uphold. And I think every single person is perfect in their own fashion. And it's embracing the the difference um, of all of us and, and what we can learn from one another. And um, being able to get people to open up and feel comfortable in their own skin instead of having that fear of releasing their their innermost thoughts and passions of what they think is important to me is critical in terms of living a good, healthy life. You know, it's going to reduce your stress on 
many, many levels and um, learning that you have more, more to offer than maybe what your inner critic's been telling you um, in the world. We get a lot of that, that beat up thought of no, you know, who are you? What do you know? You're not an expert. You don't have a degree. Well, you don't have to, to have good ideas. We all have good ideas, um, but they're not going to travel and they're not going to spread if they're not heard. You know, and we want other people to be able to to take that information. So again, thank you for for what you do on your Aging Better Network. And people can reach out to you. You know, just go to agingbetternetwork.com. I always like to ask our listeners again to like, click, and share um, these episodes. Again, this is about getting information out to others so that they have options. So I look at you when right. you do that as being a giver of hope you know, give people options, give them hope. It takes little time, costs you no money, but it's a powerful, powerful thing that you're doing in terms of being part of, being part of that human network that we all are. Um, It's hard for people to be able to know where to go, especially when they're in denial or uncomfortable, you know, they don't search as deep for what is out there. And so, Having these comfortable conversations, I think, is real important. People can also email you. You have your live streams that are replayed that they can see through your website. You are on LinkedIn. You are on YouTube. Uh, We talked about your event. I would imagine that's posted on your website as well, where they can Mm -hmm. link through on that. And then again, you've got your Kindle books that we mentioned. So again, um, thank you for your time today, your expertise, and just your compassionate soul that's willing to share with people. I really appreciate it. It was a great hour. (laughs) I'm grateful to you. Thank you. And in wrapping up, I'll just say too, um, please feel free to go to Alzheimer's Speaks, check out all of our free educational resources. They're there for a reason. We, we want you to tap into them. We want you to share them. Uh, there's no cost and there's a ton of variety there. So I'm sure you'll find something that will help you or help someone that's in need dealing with dementia. Oh, and she's holding up Betty the Bald Chicken. Yes, you can also access Betty the Bald Chicken lessons in how to care, or you can go and order that through Amazon as well, or Barnes and Noble or any of your other favorite bookstores. So thank you, Christine. Appreciate it. Um, We'll see you guys all later. Bye now. Hi, this is Suzanne Newman, host of the Answers for Elders podcast and radio show. We are the North Star that guides you through the complicated journey of senior care with trusted experts in money, law, living solutions, and more. So join us on this station, your favorite podcast channel, or just go to AnswersForElders.com. Meet the Wayshowers who will help your journey a lot easier.